the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. Welcome to the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind. We figure it's been a good week. We might as well rewind. I'm your host, Matthew Smith. That's my rewind sound. I'm Pod Severance. I'm switching up the order this week. <laughs> and of course, joined on the line as always by the phenom, Bob Williams. Do I really have to follow that? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> but you you're know, phenomenal. You you always get stuck with the dubious task of following whatever it is that's ridiculous that Bob just did. I know. I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know. I'm good at doing ridiculous things. That's my calling card, I think. That's your kinda, That's kind of your shtick. That's kind of oh. your gimmick. Yeah, you guys both just said I have a shtick. Thank you for noticing my shtick. Yes, <laughs> Let's well. move on to this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our host will give a short comment on each day. Starting off with Wednesday, Chuck Liddell calls it quits after standout MMA career. What do you think, Mr. Williams? Uh, un- unfortunately for uh, Chuck, it, it might have came a little too late. I know his last few fights didn't go the way that he wanted. And uh, based on the previous season of the uh, Ultimate Fighter, I know he wanted to fight Tito Ortiz one last time and just didn't get that shot. <laughs> But, hey, you know, he's a solid standout guy and and sort of propelled MMA further. All right, guys, so bear with me here for just a second because I want to talk about Chuck Liddell. He's a 41-year-old MMA legend who can't compete to his old standards. It's Brett Favre. Got knocked out of his last fight and had extended periods where he couldn't decide whether he wanted to retire or not. I stole your thunder. Why does this all sound familiar? (laughs) <laughs> I think it sounds familiar because this is what we see with guys that are really passionate about their sports but may not know when to hang it up or they're trying to eke out the last few dimes out of their um, fame. Both of uh, these guys are huge superstars in their respective sports and <clears throat> I'm not sure they're willing to give up the spotlight in or the paycheck while they can still bring it in. That's no, my opinion. I, no, I agree with that, Bob. Uh, honestly, this also kind of goes into boxing with, uh, I think it's Bernard Hopkins, who is 42 and just came back and uh, had a really good match. And he could possibly box until he's, you know, 45 to 50. I mean, George Foreman, Evander Holyfield. Yeah, boxing, it's pretty well, it's pretty widespread. Yeah, football's a little bit different, though. I mean, your, your speed, your agility, your flexibility is going to leave you a lot quicker than your ability to pound someone's butt in and your just brute strength and force, in my opinion. So I think something like maybe not MMA as much because of, I mean, there's a lot of, lot more um, special lot, flexibility athleticism, we'll call it. With boxing, I kind of look at that as that's a stamina sport. You have to be able to go for long rounds and keep the power and the energy up although you don't have to be extremely i don't want to say agile and flexible because you do have to have both of those qualities but you're not moving around the ring like these guys in mma and you're definitely not scrambling like a quarterback trying to you know get out of the pocket so you know i can see where even boxing could be something that you could hold on a little bit longer. But ultimately, uh, I agree with your assessment on this, Matt. I mean, it's it's a story that we've heard before. Yep. The Although names are made know, up, but the problems are real. That's right. Although I don't know if Chuck Liddell is um, text messaging pictures, <laughs> lewd pictures of himself to anybody. Uh, at least we haven't heard about that yet. 
Any other thoughts on that? Nope, that's good. All right. Also on Wednesday, Phil Jackson criticizes the NBA's ownership of the New Orleans Hornets. What do we think, Matt? Well, well, Will Jackson has never been one to keep his mouth shut when it comes to league policies and activities and whatnot. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that about 75% of the other coaches around the league probably feel about the same way as Phil Jackson. Just none of them have the clout to come out and say it like he does. Yeah, it's definitely not in the best interest of the NBA to do this. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's a coach actually coming out and, and speaking against it. But what else can you do in that situation? You know, George Sin was looking for a, a, a seller. No one really came up viable. So why not get him out of there and, and hopefully try to, to help out the franchise in, in general? You know, the Washington Nationals did the same thing. I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, in the right or, or going in the right direction. But as long as it's a short period of time, you know, no problem here. On Thursday, Nuggets won five picks for Mello. This from Yahoo Sports. Mr. Williams? Um, I don't know any team that's going to give up five picks for Carmelo Anthony, let alone any player, uh, especially if he's not going to resign. And that's going to be the biggest issue with him. Yeah, he's talked about wanting his want is to go to New York. He'll kind of acquiesce to the decision of going to New Jersey, but he hasn't really came out and said, hey, I'll, I'll sign there. So I think that's the biggest issue right now is, is not the fact that they want five picks. It's will Melo sign there. You can't really say that I blame the Nuggets here because I know like I've wanted to buy stuff off of eBay and I know it's just stuff that's not in the budget. So you put that bid in there, like $50 on a piece of equipment that maybe costs 200 regularly. And that's really the same thing the Nuggets are doing here. They're just they're just trying to sneak one through, you know, hey, maybe if we ask for five draft picks, somebody will give us to it. Why not ask for it? My money says that asking price goes down as we get to the trade deadline and the general overall consensus feeling among Denver management that Carmelo is not going to stick around. Also on Thursday, son of ex-NBA player Nick Van Exel charged with capital murder. This from ESPN Dallas. Matt. Yeah, this is kind of a sad story. Another kid um, accidentally playing with uh, playing with his stepdad's gun and accidentally shoots. In this case, it was his friend. The, the difference here between this story and the other stories that you've heard in the past that sound just like this, the, in this case, the kid is 20 years old, so it's not that innocent young, uh, you know, toddler or, you know, elementary school age kid just experimenting with a gun. Um, I, I'll admit it, in this particular case, this kind of feels like, the Jason Williams limo driver scenario all over again. Yeah, I, you know, the whole 20-year-old 20, 20 thing definitely stands out in my book. Like, <laughs> I'm 26. I've never shot a gun. I don't own a gun. I, I don't want a gun in my presence. But it, if it was, you know the realities that comes with a gun. So if you're pointing it at someone, it shouldn't even have a, you know, the safety should be on. I don't know what this kid was thinking. Yeah, you can say it, it was a freak accident, and, he, and they, I know they say that he panicked and everything, but you shouldn't even be in that situation. Just so you know, you just game crossed off of Charlton Heston's Christmas card list. I'm okay with that. On Friday, Winter Classic Game Time moved to 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals. Uh, this is actually good. Uh, you know, everyone talks about primetime sports, and for hockey, always seems to be that fourth sport uh, in, in America. 
So it's good to put them in prime time, and I guess the rank, the ratings were actually really good. So this this is a step in the right direction for for hockey in general. I just I just want to throw this out there. I was watching this game, and the weather. I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh, I watched part of this game, and the weather kind of threw me off. Northeastern Ohio, 55 degrees and sunny. In Pittsburgh, it's snowing. I don't know. Is the weather really that different there? But. You know, apparently this uh, apparently the Winter Classic is quite a draw, regardless of what the weather is. Uh, this is by far the best-selling game that the NHL will have this season, and with ticket prices averaging $420 a piece, obviously they found a winner in the Winter Classic. Also on Friday, the John Fox era over with Carolina Panthers after Sunday's game. Mr. Smith? I've got to believe that the Carolina Panthers are already on the phone with Bill Cowers, publicist or agent or whoever. Uh, he's been he's been living in North Carolina ever since he left the Steelers, and the Panthers are probably going to try to cash in on the hometown discount. Uh, letting go of Fox before the end of the season, just kind of let them get the head start on the whole Cower campaign. Yeah, this is kind of a, a sign of things that have kind of been coming for John Fox, unfortunately. His past few years just haven't been on par with how he started. You know, it, it's tough to win in the NFL without a quarterback. Uh, I know they've also contact talked about, which we'll I think we'll talk about later, um, taking a quarterback in the draft. Uh, that said, quarterback might bring a coach. Maybe John Harbaugh. I know he's uh, interviewing for the 49ers. But, hey, if you can get the quarterback, you can possibly get the coach. It'd be a heck of a package deal, that's for sure. We've seen it before. Maybe not in the pros, but we, we've seen it definitely in college. Oh, yeah. On Saturday, Buffalo Bills keep linebacker Sean Merriman with two-year contract. Well, the nice thing about this is they're paying for an ex-pro bowler, which if he stays healthy, could possibly get back to that level. But that's going to be the biggest problem is the fact that can he stay healthy? But the nice thing with uh, contracts in the NFL is, you know, you can always cut them and, you know, take your losses. Yeah, next season, next season, those losses would amount to $2.5 million. That's what's guaranteed on the contract. Uh, incentives, I believe, go up to nine and a quarter. Um, if, you know, he plays up to that 2005, 2006, uh, prior to getting busted for illegal substances type uh, performances. But uh, I, I think it's it's been a, it's been a good week for Sean Merriman, not only because of this contract, but he also won a lawsuit against uh, former Dookie uh, Christian Leitner about a $4 million uh, real estate investment scheme. Um, so it, it's a good week for Sean Merriman altogether. So even if he only gets that $2.5 million from uh, the Bills, he's going to be getting four from Leitner. Did you just say former Dookie? Yes, former Dookie. They're not devils or they're Dookies? No, they are I've Dookies the, in my book. No, I've, I've heard the term Dookies before. Wow, that's something. Also on Saturday, Stan Van Gundy of Orlando Magic fined $35,000 for saying that officials are targeting Dwight Howard. Stan Van is specifically referring to the amount of technical fouls that Dwight Howard has received this year over the new NBA excessive complaining rules, uh, which I, for the record, am not a big fan of. But I, I generally like Dwight Howard, but to be completely honest, he's got a history of using his elbows as weapons, and 
when you've got a history like that, to me, this is like complaining about Scarface being prosecuted for tax evasion charges. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit lame, but he's been killing people for years, so who cares? Yeah, I, I, this really does go back to the fact that the technical foul calls have been changed in the offseason. Uh, you're just seeing, I think, a little bit more of, a, of an influx in technical fouls. And that, that still, you're going to have refs sort of taking their own discretion with, with the uh, the tees. And I think this might be, you know, uh, I, I won't say it's a good thing, but it might be a step in the right direction because how many stars in the NBA, as soon as they get hit or that they don't get called, they kind of stop, look at the ref, complain as the game's still going on. You know, it, it kind of gets, it should get them back to focusing on the actual game itself. It won't. Uh, it, it's kind of a frivolous rule, but maybe maybe there's some good out of it. My feeling on the whole rule change is that excessive complaining rules are fine, but just to block people who are complaining at all is a little bit excessive in and of itself. It's it's like getting charged the extra baggage freeze from the airport when it's your first bag. How can it be excessive? It's your first one. I personally like these more discretionary um, fouls that the umps can call because <clears throat> I agree kind of uh, with what you were saying, Matt, that a lot of times uh, there are kind of dirty players that just in the course of the game don't necessarily get all the fouls that they could get. And I think discretionary fouls like these complaining ones where it's really up to the umpires as to how much they want to deal with kind of gives them the opportunity to even the score and kind of put these athletes in their place saying, you know, that we're watching you. We may not always catch you in the heat of something or we see it on tape later, but this really is kind of just putting them in their play. You know, I, I like discretionary fouls because it's going to keep the players honest. On Sunday, Coach Randy Edsel of Connecticut Huskies hired by Maryland Terrapins. The fact that they hired or fired uh, Ralph Friedgen after he was the ACC Coach of the Year is kind of shocking. Um, the fact that they could possibly turn into the new Eastern Coast Oregon with the fact that they have uh, Under Armour, They're the, the founder went to Maryland. Uh, that you know that that's a good kind of jumping off point. But to hire Randy Edsel is a very lateral move. You know, he's not a big name coach. I think Mike Leach would have probably been a bigger uh, splash, you know, definitely a, a bigger, higher octane offense. So I I don't know if this is the right direction you want to go. You know, certainly I understand why Edsel made the move. I think that uh, I think that going from UConn to Maryland gives him a chance to be in a program that's got a lot, uh, a lot higher of a profile. Um, he's still in a conference where he can have a somewhat mediocre team and still get a BCS bitch, just like in the Big East. But uh, I, I think the thing that makes Randy Edsel uniquely qualified for this for this position is the fact that he comes from a school that uh, that is extremely extremely uh, legendary. You know, has a very legendary basketball program similar to what the University of Maryland has, where often when it comes to sports budgets and things like that, the basketball team has taken the first slice, which is uh, you know, not usually the case in most uh, Division One football programs. But uh, I, I think he's had success in that type of situation at UConn, so I think that's why they felt that he would be a good fit here in Maryland. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I just think it's more lateral move than anything. I, I, I no. guess that's my biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, I won't necessarily disagree with it being a lateral move, but, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if you're Maryland if you're going to get uh, if obviously Mike Leach has his black marks in his history, so y- you don't necessarily know what the athletic directors are thinking when they're passing by him. It could be any number of different things, and and aside from that, aside from him, I'm not sure what big name coach you're going to attract to Maryland. For for me, the fact that Under Armour's becoming such a, a rival to Nike and Adidas when it comes to sports and athletic wear that you, you the template is there you know Oregon just a few years ago was kind of a middle of the road Pac-10 team you know they'd have a few good years here and there but recently with the fact that Phil Knight has pumped some money into the athletics there you, you have the template why why not go that route you know um so and, and Mike Bellotti was a, a decent name when they hired, hired him there so maybe maybe Edsel will will take him I don't know also on Sunday, Denver Broncos say John Elway will provide boost right away. He's coming back to quarterback, right? Yeah, no. Um, they've got the Elway of the future in Mr. Tim Tebow. They don't need uh, they don't need Elway in the past playing quarterback anymore. Oh, you got to be kidding me. His teeth are at least half the height of John Elway's. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a stature that no one else can match up to. So it's let's just not let's just not bother looking in that general direction for comparisons unless we're looking at horses. Well, that Broncos, said, they're both Broncos. That's a horse. Fair enough. <laughs> so what we've what we've got here is a is a player who was extremely good on the field. He's got no history in any other capacity of doing personnel moves. And now he's a high-profile vice president of football operations. It kind of sounds a lot better than it is. There's, there's been some history, I don't know, Matt Millen, of players in similar circumstances that have turned out disastrously in the NFL. And in fact, I don't know, with the exception of maybe Ozzie Newsome in Baltimore, I don't know how many former legendary players have ever come off the field and been great personnel guys in the NFL. Yeah, I think you hit the head there with Matt Millen. <laughs> All I could do is laugh at that. Uh, at least with Ozzie Newsome, you know, he wasn't straight into a GM or a VP. He sat on the sidelines. You know, he worked in some sort of capacity, like you said, in the Browns slash Ravens organization. So, yeah, Elway, a big boost to, I guess, the image of the Broncos. You know, how can you not get any bigger of a Bronco than than, uh, John Elway? But it's wait and see with this. You know, it could end up being another Matt Millen situation. I I think John Elway is probably a little bit smarter in the head than Matt Millen. That's not saying much. I know. (laughs) On Monday, Minnesota Vikings take interim tag off Coach Leslie Frazier's title. Well, I don't know if I'm impressed with this. I, I guess I just have a thing with uh, hiring coaches right now. I, I'm against everything. But the biggest problem with Minnesota has been this cycle, you know, of, of similar players, bad backgrounds, taking on egos. You think they would want to hire someone outside the organization to kind of change the environment, change the atmosphere with all of these players that they have. They have a, a, a decent team, get a quarterback on the team and, and get some wide receivers healthy like Percy Harvin or Sidney Rice for the entire year. You have a solid offense. I, d- I don't know if hiring someone from the same tree, the same organization is, is going to help them. 
Yeah, I'm 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 kind of with you. Although I think there's a big big factor in this and a lot of the coaching moves that we will be talking about, of course, in our weekly episode 35 podcast coming on later this week. Uh, there, there's a big factor that's going on in a lot of these coaching moves. Whenever you bring a new coach into your program, you're allowed to have extra days of training camp. You're allowed to have uh, do some extra things that other NFL teams had to do to, in order to get your team time to adjust to the new coaching staff and the new system. However, if all of your players are locked out because of an NFL labor dispute, the first year that that coach is in his position all that stuff gets lost. Those co- that that extra training time is gone. So I think that Minnesota is is feeling that uh, that's not the right time to get a new coach in. I think that there's probably a couple other teams that are feeling the same thing. And uh, ultimately, what was what was promising to be a very exciting coaching carousel this year in the NFL, I think, is going to be a little bit less exciting just because of the the pending lockout. Also on Monday, Florida Gators confirmed the addition of Charlie Weiss as offensive coordinator. This is just weird. Like, if you're Charlie, I don't understand, if you're Charlie Weiss and you're the offensive coordinator from a team that has been surprisingly successful, like the Kansas City Chiefs have this year, why would you make a lateral move to basically do the same exact job at a lower level of competition? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. The only thing that I can kind of drum up is there's there's been rumors specifically floating around from uh, from the likes of Jason Whitlock and the other folks that are closely associated with the Kansas City Chiefs organization that Coach Todd Haley isn't exactly a peach to work for. So maybe that's maybe that's what we're seeing here is that Charlie Weiss just took the first ticket out of Kansas City he could get. Maybe, maybe he likes the middle of the road easy job. Maybe they're paying more. I, I doubt it, but who knows? Uh, I know I would leave somewhere if someone was offering me more money or a better location. I know I, know I would choose Florida over Ohio or Kansas City. But that's what I was going to ask. How old is Charlie Weiss? Maybe he's just uh, wanting to migrate like all of the other senior citizens. And He's close. I don't think he's there he's probably, yet. Probably not that old. Um, he's, probably, he's probably about 60. Okay. I'd say mid to high 50s anyway. How yeah, old is Charlie Weiss? He was born in uh, 50, 56, right? So he's about mid 50s. Okay, 50. So yeah, at 55 you get your uh, you get your dollar off the early bird specials, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's migrating to Florida like everybody else. But 55 or not, Charlie Weiss is a bigger guy. So um, I I've heard, although I don't know that uh, the uh, humidity in Florida takes a lot of the pressure off of um, knees, backs, things like that. I don't know if the dude's got arthritis from playing days, whatever, but heck, I'd move to Florida from Kansas City too, even if it's a lateral or a small pay cut. On Tuesday, Rich Rodriguez, fired by Michigan Wolverines, reports say. Uh, I actually was up and about on Tuesday morning when uh, uh, this first went across the uh Twitter feeds. So I decided to uh, retweet it. You know, on Sports on Point, we have we have a problem with being uh, on time with some of our comments just because, hey, we lead other lives. But to my dismay, I found out uh, that night when I got off of work that he wasn't actually fired. Well, I find out today when I wake up, he got fired again. So I wasn't wrong. 
Michigan did the right thing just a day too late. I, I don't know why the day. Um, actually, I read somewhere where it says that uh, Brandon, the AD up in Michigan, actually wanted him to resign. But Rodriguez said no, because we know he likes his money and he didn't want to forfeit the $2.5 million that he was still owed. So Brandon just outright fired him. Yeah, I'm not sure that I understand the whole, hey, let's pull you in, talk to you for a little bit, and hopefully you'll resign so that I don't have to pay you. Because why would you do that if you're Rich Rodriguez? That's, I don't, I don't know, but uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the original story posted on Tuesday, it was a little bit premature, but I don't think anybody who saw it thought it was anything more than a technicality. He was fired a day later. All is well in the world. And, of course, Rich Rodriguez, who was never a good fit in Michigan in the first place, is leaving town, and Michigan is left in a state of rebuilding, um, you know, just like they were when they hired him three years ago. Poor Michigan. First the auto industry, now Rich Rodriguez. They're losing everything, man. And <laughs> rounding the week off on Tuesday, Carolina Panthers to pick Andrew Luck if so. Stanford QB is in the NFL draft. I think this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, if Lux is in the draft, you pretty much have to take him. I think it's probably a little bit premature for the Panthers to be giving up on Jimmy Clausen after his rookie year. I mean, I know it wasn't spectacular, but what rookie quarterbacks are spectacular? It's generally the exception, not the rule. And uh, I guess I guess it just boils down to you can't pass up on a guy like Luck. If if this was maybe you know last year and it was Andrew Luck and you know you had another guy like Dom Kong Sue sitting there, then maybe you maybe you make that pick and then uh, get Sue somebody you know who is equally talented and skilled at the position. But uh, in this year's draft, I don't think that other person exists. Yeah, especially with the possibility of the word we've heard a lot in this lockout. Um, I, I think that's the biggest thing with with a lot of these juniors or redshirt sophomores who are, are have the ability to go into the draft that they're kind of tentative, they're unsure because you know that's a year's paycheck that they're not really getting. So it, it it's going to be interesting. Come it'll, it'll be interesting to see what type of names like maybe an Andrew Luck that pulls back his feelers or, or pulls out of the draft. Well, this has been our weekly rewind. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please send your suggestions on how we can improve the show and comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. We'll see you next week with another edition of Weekly Rewind. Peace out, guys. Thanks for listening. Later, Holmes. Larry Holmes, I know you're, I know you're listening. <laughs>